Hey everybody, welcome to episode 26 of CreateCast, the show about people who make good. I'm your host, Chase K. This week's episode is with the awesome Scott Menville. Uh, I actually had the chance to work with this guy, and it was one of those days where we're doing the session, it was a voiceover session, and and uh, I was like, man, I, I recognize that voice, I, I swear I recognize that voice. And uh, near the end of the session, he mentions, oh, you know, I've, I've actually got to run, guys, um, I'm doing a panel down at Comic-Con. I was like, oh... What, what panel is it for? He goes, oh, it's this it's this show I'm on. It's uh, Teen Titans Go. I'm like, holy crap. This guy's the voice of Robin from Teen Titans. And believe it or not, um, I I remember, you know, being in my uh, you know early teens, watching the original Teen Titans on Cartoon Network. I mean, I've heard his voice all over, and he's been in tons of other great shows, everything from Avatar The Last Airbender to Uncle Grandpa to video games like Final Fantasy and Call of Duty. He's been all over, and he's also been on TV a bunch, so uh, we actually talk about that in this interview, so sort of his early acting experience, how he got into voiceover, and just lots and lots of cool stuff in this interview. I mean, super appreciate Scott for coming on the show. He's a great guy. As always, make sure you visit us at createcastpod.com, where you can uh, you know check out some behind-the-scenes photos, listen to other episodes, and you can also find us on iTunes. So just go into iTunes, search CreateCast, and while you're there, please leave us a review, a rating. It really, really helps people find the show. Again, a huge thanks to Scott for coming on the show. Awesome interview this week. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. So, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Create Cast. We're here with actor Scott. Ah, sorry, let me start that again. I'm glad I'm not the. <laughs> you, <laughs> no. you got it out of the way for both of yeah. us. Hey everybody, welcome to Create Cast. We're here with actor Scott Menville. Uh, he's an awesome voiceover artist and also done a ton of on-screen stuff, off-screen stuff. I mean, just. Uh, Look, I mean, I was looking through your IMDb page, and obviously I recognize you from stuff, and then there's so much stuff that I didn't recognize, and then uh, and give give us, like, a quick rundown, maybe, like, two or three things that you think people would be like, okay, yeah, I know you. Okay. Right? And I'm sure that, you know, obviously they're going to recognize you from your voice, too. Maybe, yeah. That has happened before, actually, uh, in public. I was at a barbecue one time, and <laughs> the guy who was uh, the hired caterer said, hey, man, are you on Teen Titans? I know your voice. And it turned out he taught... English to Japanese students in Japan and would oh, use wow. our show. Anyway, Teen Titans uh, is a cartoon that I was on and I'm now a voice actor playing Robin on the new incarnation, Teen Titans Go. Uh, I've been acting professionally since I was a little kid, so I've done a lot of guest spots on TV shows, uh, a lot of cartoon series over the years, video games, uh, recurred on a couple series in the 90s, uh, Wonder Years. In the last couple seasons, I played the older brother's friend, and I uh, was on the last season of Full House, which still seems to rerun all these years later, and <laughs> people still seem to know. <laughs> and uh, lately, you know, guest roles on other things, and a uh, lot of lot of voiceover, like I said. So. Yeah, well, man, that's awesome. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, Teen Titans, because that's actually the first time that we met. Uh, it was during a session, and the entire time, I was like, man... He sounds kind of familiar, and I, I, I just I couldn't put two and two together. And then you mentioned that you were going down to Comic Con, and then you mentioned for what? I was like, duh. That's he's Ro- right. Yeah, he's Robin from from Teen Titans. I which remember is just that so now. Crazy. You were like, wait a second. Yeah, I know. It's just You're so like, funny. And, and you know, it's I hear stories like this. I was listening to an interview with uh, uh, Kevin Conroy, you know, yeah. Batman from uh, the animated series and stuff, and he talks about how occasionally he'll get recognized. And be like, You're, you're Batman, and I, I assume that's got to be sort of a little bit different because. When I, uh, we've had, you know, I've interviewed two voiceover guys so far for the uh, show, and, you know, you'll be the third, and it's sort of this interesting world where it's sort of invisible, but it's this really tight-knit community, I mean, and it's it's so close to the acting business, but then it's, I mean, it's acting, but it's, it has this 
totally different vibe, which I find really fascinating. And it's maybe this thing that people don't realize, like, oh, yeah, there are people that have to do that. Like, that's a job, and it's a really cool job. It's it's a very cool job. Yeah, it is this kind of... uh sort of I guess in a way we're like the Navy SEALs of the acting yeah. world you know you, you hear us or you know we're there but you don't really ever see yeah. us or anything um, and it is very tight knit uh, I've worked with Kevin Conroy and uh, Steve Staley who's one of your past guests I've worked yeah. with him and uh, yeah it is, a, it is a cool thing it's also nice that um, you know I, I have appeared at Comic Con for our show and uh, for other shows too and you can kind of walk the Comic Con floor and most people don't really know who you are because you know I'm not some lead actor on a big high profile on camera show right now so you can sort of be anonymous and you know occasionally people will know who you are and they're cool and respectful and so uh, i guess obviously you mentioned that you started really young and doing some on-screen stuff and then also voiceover so how did you just get into acting at all i mean in in the first place how how did that happen uh i've talked about this in other interviews and i love to talk about it because um it's a way to give respect to my dad who believed in me uh, at a young age. And my mom did too. Uh, my dad passed away years ago, uh, so I, I do like to give him props here. He, uh, my dad, Chuck Menville, was a writer, producer, story editor, uh, mainly in children's programming, and did a lot of animation. Uh, I'd been in acting classes since age eight, and I was a little class clown at school and getting in trouble for disrupting the class. So my parents put me in acting class, and uh, about three years later, my dad was working at Hanna-Barbera Cartoon Studio that produced a bagillion cartoons that we all grew up watching. Uh, He heard that they were having auditions for the Little Rascals cartoon. Uh, So he brought a little tape recorder, this is how long ago it was, and recorded me on a cassette tape in my bedroom at home. And uh, I auditioned for four characters, and my little tape made it past the producers, it made it past the studio, it made it all the way to the network and ABC, and I booked the part of Spanky, and then got an yeah. agent from there, and, and then from there it was my agent sending me out on auditions. So. And that's awesome, I'm so serious, I mean, you, you grew up in it, and I assume always in LA, I mean, you, you grew up here? Born and raised in LA, which is, is nice, I know a lot of people have, you know, made that courageous leap, yeah. like you coming from Utah, coming out yeah. to LA, I, I was lucky in that I was already grounded and had a home base out here. You know, and it's so interesting to me, I think that I, you know, it's like with Steve, he sort of started out with the goal of coming in and doing on-camera stuff. But really, I mean, you sort of started in, the, in that voiceover world, that cartoon world. So how have you found maybe you've done on-screen stuff and off-screen stuff? Is, is there a difference? Is it the same sort of approach for you? Or do you approach those two things differently as far, you know, as, far as like an acting perspective or the character's perspective? Yeah, I, I do. The, the key word in voice acting is acting. So I do approach it all at the beginning from the same place and you know without boring your listeners too much on process you know who is this character what do I want as the character what are my fears uh, all that kind of stuff you come out the same way where it is different is on camera you can rely on gestures mannerisms uh, Mm -hmm. facial tics and voiceover it all has to come through through the voice yeah no it's it's crazy I mean I think it's it's really interesting because you'll see some actors sometimes who really are physical actors and so it's really kind of incredible to even see some of those guys who get in the studio and you know are forced to do a voiceover and it's like oh yeah you can you have to do certain things with your body or with your face to make certain sounds or to make a certain idea come across you do uh i'm very physical and when i'm working in the voiceover room or in a voiceover audition I'm, i must look like 
you know, the old singer Joe Cocker <laughs> and that Woodstock footage contorting oh, his yeah. body. Um, and a lot of great voice actors who I work with are very physical. Tom Kenny, who does SpongeBob, I've worked with him a lot. Uh, Dee Bradley Baker, who's on everything. Those guys are both very physical guys at the mic, too. The only difference is you kind of, I mean, you know, you're a musician and a singer. You do yeah. have to keep your mouth centered on mic, yeah. but the rest of your body's flailing all over the place. So, obviously, you grew up with it and you had all of these early influences, and it sounds like, I mean, you know, obviously your, your dad sort of brought you into that first uh, opportunity, that first experience, but what were some early examples of times where you're like, oh, well, this is also something that I'm really interested in. Like, this is something that, you know, maybe you saw a specific actor or a specific thing. Was there any moment like that for you? I, I do remember being pretty young, and my dad showed me the movie Midnight Cowboy with John Voight and Dustin Hoffman, and I was way too young to be watching this movie. It was like, yeah. it was just so not age-appropriate, <laughs> but... The work that Hoffman did in that movie just yeah. knocked me on my ass. I hope I can swear on your podcast. Oh, no, yeah. But, uh, and I still think about this one scene in there where he's he's on the bus and he realizes his legs are not working and he realizes he may not be able to walk again. And, like, that, like that's it. Look, I just got chills <laughs> thinking about, like, that one moment. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, I, I could do this. I want to do this as a grown-up, yeah. too. This isn't just, like, some fun kid thing. So when, when you started maybe thinking about it more seriously and, and really studying acting, what what did that look like for you, and how do you do you approach the actual study of acting? Because I, you know, okay, for me as a musician, there was only so much of actual like theory and you know practicing scales that I could do, and eventually it just got to be you know playing and writing and and just singing songs. So maybe how, is the approach different for acting study? I mean, did you come at it from a very sort of classical perspective, or was it just sort of your gut instinct? Uh, I think it was a combination of all that. Um, I always took acting classes uh, off and on and still do. I still coach privately um, and uh, I took acting, I took improv, I studied in LA mostly, I studied at an intensive in New York for one summer at the Strasbourg Institute. Um, That said, something that you just touched on, which is where you got to the point after theory and scales and all that, just just playing, Mm -hmm. you learn so much just by doing. I think going to class is great because it's like going to the gym. It's it's a way to work out and stay loose. It's a way to be with like-minded people. Uh, however, I've always, always I've always been fortunate to work, and I've always learned so much on the job too. Mm-hmm. On the to me, on the job is probably the best teacher. Yeah, I, I guess you know it's sort of interesting. Much as with you know musicians working with producers, voiceover artists have to work with producers and engineers. Uh, have you found a, a sort of a I guess, have you been on the other side of the window much? Uh, you know, maybe outside of the booth, coaching people inside. And then also, when you're on the inside of the booth, what do you look for in an engineer? Like, what, what are you trying to get out of that experience and that relationship? Because it's, it's got to be, you know, a little bit difficult sometimes. You're, you're laying yourself on the line. You have to be in a position where I assume you're comfortable enough to be a little bit wacky and move around like we're talking about, you know, in the studio. Uh, well, I think the, the – to answer the first part of your question, no, I've never been on the other side of that. Um, so uh, – I don't really know what that's like to be a producer on the other side of the glass. Uh, you do definitely have to be comfortable in there, and I think uh, the comfort that I have at this point is just I, I don't really care if I walk into an audition and look like an idiot as long as what I'm doing is coming across as believable. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you just have to be willing to look ridiculous. What I look for in an engineer is just uh, somebody who's cool that I can relate with, yeah. uh, and the more you work with the same engineers or directors, uh, you develop a shorthand. Uh, there are a lot of directors I've worked with a bunch of times who can just 
tell me in one word. Our, our director, Lisa Schaefer, who does Teen Titans Go right now, at the last session, she was like, ah, we did a pass at the first scene, and then they were giving notes, and she's like, and Scott, on line 38, uh, and she kind of looked at me, I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I knew what she wanted, so. So are, it sounds like uh, that was maybe a group read, right? Yeah, on, on a lot of animated shows, they record the cast separately. I'm on another yeah. series right now called The 7D for Disney. And uh, which stands for the Seven Dwarfs, and uh, I, I do Sneezy on that one, and Sneezy uh, kind of has a stuffed up no, no, uh, that's what Sneezy <laughs> sounds like. Um, but on that one, we mo- mostly record separately, just because it's such yeah. a big cast and people have scheduling issues because uh, everybody's so busy. Teen Titans Go is normally a full cast record, which is a lot of fun, and oh, wow. uh, you get to kind of just come into the room and play off each other and. I, I guess, I mean, do you find that you prefer one over the other, or, or does it really depend on the situation? It really depends on the situation. It, uh, I guess it, it is more fun having the other people in the room to play with. So I, I guess, yeah, I would prefer that. And maybe, though, it's like the first... I, I have to imagine the first couple of sessions, though, it's like everybody's sort of trying to learn, you know, everybody else's style. I mean, I assume maybe you came in knowing a couple of the other people, right, and just sort of vibing out and feeling the room. Yeah, well, on Teen Titans Go, uh, it was the same cast as the original Teen Titans series. On the 7D... They did try to have us all in the same room for the first record, and I think it was just way too many class clowns in the same room. <laughs> they realized we'll be more efficient if we split these guys up. But uh, I actually knew all of those guys, too, before we started. Because, like you said, voiceover is it's fairly tight-knit, and yeah. if you've been in the game a while, you, you kind of know a lot of people, if not from jobs, from auditions. So, um, you know, And it's sort of interesting talking about that, and we were talking you know, before we hit record just about how... The whole acting world, sort of, just in general, the entertainment world is really tight knit out here. And I mean, do you find that there's really a dividing line between you know, the guys who know voiceover guys and then the guys who are the on-screen guys, or is that sort of just everybody kind of in the same melting pot? I think it's everybody in the same melting pot. Um, you know, Ron Perlman, a great yeah. actor, Hellboy, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, he does a lot of voiceover. I worked with him a lot on the original Teen Titans series. He was our one of our enemies, uh, the, <laughs> one of our main villains. Um, Clancy Brown is another great on-camera actor, Shawshank Redemption, and he does a lot of voiceover. Uh, Tim Curry, of course. That, you know, There's a lot of people, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, yeah. and the Joker. A lot of people who can do both. So I, I think the cream rises to the top. You know, I'm sort of curious. I mean, with what I found with music is that obviously recording technology is so incredible now that I mean, I can pick up my phone and record more easily than, you know, I could 10 years ago, that sort of thing. And, or even, you know, in certain studios, I mean, everybody's able to build a studio in their home now. Have you found that there's sort of maybe a dearth of voiceover artists now? Or, or just, I mean, has it changed? How has it changed recently? It's changed a lot uh, in that there's more, I think there's more content being produced, so you have more opportunities. However, the pool of players has gotten more competitive mm. because in the past let's say I was uh, let's say I had an audition for a voiceover TV commercial in the past I would have been like uh, I'm talking 15 years ago maybe 10-15 years ago uh, a casting place in Los Angeles would have held auditions and called in maybe 30 or 40 guys well now you've got the, a lot of times the um, advertising companies will cut out the middleman of the casting places mm. and they will send out the character breakdowns to the agencies so now you're reading w- along with many other guys at your own agency against many other guys at other agencies in Los Angeles. Then you open it up. You're reading against actors in San Francisco, Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York. Yeah. So it is a lot more competitive. So anytime you book a gig is a definite victory. 
well, yeah, I guess, you know, it's, you know, guys who are recording their own stuff and sending it in, and it's like, I, I was, uh, you know, I I feel like I referenced so many things on this podcast, but I was listening to an interview with Andrea Romano, oh, and she was talking about when amazing. they were when they were first trying to record, I mean, you know, back sort of that animation revolution in the, in the 90s, and trying to record some of those sessions between New York and L.A., and, like, the way that they would have to do it is she would be directing over the phone sometimes, and while, you know, and then they would have to mail, you know, the actual yeah. reels of stuff, and it was just incredible to me, and it's, it's I mean, it's changed so much it's changed so much and they've got it down to a science now i just did a radio commercial i don't know about six eight weeks ago i was in a studio in la with the la engineer the other actor it was a two of us on the spot the other actor was in new york at some studio and all the ad agency people were in in atlanta so here we were at three different studios working on the same commercial and it's it's pretty amazing when you can do that you know i think one thing interesting um is the idea of typecasting in voiceover because obviously when you're an on-screen actor if you have a specific look you know people say oh well this is the type of character that you should play but obviously I think you're offered a a bit more diversity or at least the chance at diversity with voiceover right so how have you maybe tried to diversify in the roles that you've taken and 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 has it maybe just been sort of naturally what fits your voice yeah I mean I I think you do sort of have to know your limitations in in voiceover like I'm not going to be the guy with the big, deep, growly voice, because that's about as deep as I can go, and there are guys who can go way deeper. That said, I can play so many different roles in voiceover than I can do on camera. Mm-hmm. There's a show called Randy Cunningham, Ninth Grade Ninja, where I recur as, as a character named Bucky who's a band geek, and he's about 15 years old, and he has braces. I'm never going to play a 15-year-old kid with braces at yeah. this point on camera, you know? Um, so, you know, I can, I'm in fairly good shape. I can play it. A fat guy, or I can play, you yeah. know, whatever. I can play a squirrel, or yeah. you know, there's there's so many more possibilities, um, and I do feel like in on camera, I feel like you can have several great actors come in for an audition, and the best people may not get it because of eye color or height or whatever. In voiceover, I really do feel like ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's whoever was the best actor for yeah. for that role. Yeah, it seems really sort of uh, egalitarian in that way, and and I, I'm also curious. Just you know, you're talking about these different characters. How often are you? Because I know with, for example, dubbing work, um, like Steve Staley does a lot of dubbing work, yeah. and he'll you know the animation will be set, and he'll be trying to record to fit that. How much of it is that for you, and also how much of it is you know you record the voiceover, and then the character is matched to the voice? Um, great question. Uh, I have done a lot of dubbing. Um, and one thing that I'd like to plug, there was a movie called Tech on Kincrete where I played in the English version the lead character named Black, uh, and none of us got credited. I think we're in the end credits, maybe, but uh, I, I don't know. But anyway, it was it was a really cool experience, and uh, it, it was definitely very technical. I had mm-hmm. to you have to fit something to you have to fit your words to mouth flaps yeah. that were animated to fit a Japanese sentence. So sometimes the Americans, the English sentence is too long or too short, so you have to add words, but yeah. still conveying the same intent. So it's a, it's sort of a different way of working. And time is money in the studio, so you only have a certain amount of time. So I kind of like the challenge of it. It's like working a puzzle under a ticking clock. But most of the stuff I do is regular uh, American-made uh, animated shows, and traditionally they record the actors first and then animate to the voices, which mm-hmm. gives you more freedom to, uh, you know, you can try a line six different ways, and whichever one they pick, they pick, and then that's how the animators animate yeah. to it. So tell me you're, you're going into a new session, like brand new, brand new character, uh, you have maybe uh, a breakdown and, and like a, a, an image of the character. 
for an audition. Yeah, or, or even just yeah, yeah. I mean, just for an audition. Uh, how, how do you maybe try and build that character, or what do you say? I mean, what tells you just maybe about the physicality of a character, or, or about I mean, just about how it should sound, or how how they should act? If you're lucky, they do give you a, a rendering, a drawing of the mm-hmm. character, which will help. Like, oh wow, this guy's got one eyebrow. Okay, what is that? He's got a huge Adam's apple. Well, the big Adam's apple does he kind of have, does it get in the way of his tongue? Or I don't know. I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm throwing something out off the cuff. Um, if you don't have a rendering to go on sometimes you just have one or two lines uh you know 20 years old wants to be the cool guy but uh has no Mm self-confidence and that may be all you have to go on well you know i can i know what it's like to not to feel insecure in moments we all wrestle with that so uh, you know i can sort of i guess key into that and and build from there and and then you just kind of go in and throw a bunch of paint up and then that's hopefully where you have a director or producer kind of guiding you and adding stuff to it so so nowadays, I mean, uh, I assume you, you work a ton and you're doing all this different animation. Uh, when you have maybe the chance to just sit down at home and just maybe just watch something just for fun, like what what's your go-to? Uh, I'm into a lot of the the dark shows. Like I love The Wire, Breaking Bad. I really love Better Call Saul. I can't wait for the next season to come out. Um, what else? First season of Fargo was amazing. Yeah, that that kind of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and and I guess looking at sort of the future are there maybe any characters or anything specific that you that you haven't done yet that you would really love to do for voiceover gosh I, I don't really think about that too much for on camera there's all kinds of stuff yeah. that I would love to love to do I'd love to you know be in some kind of prison film that's dark yeah. and gritty or whatever um, for voiceover I, I definitely have uh you know, a lot of times I'll try to come up with a new voice when I get an audition, and there are a couple voices that I have in my back pocket that I've used for auditions that didn't book the job mm. that I think are solid voices, and I'm waiting for them to find a home with some yeah. characters. So. All, the, all these characters just sort of sitting, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's the same way. It's like I'll, I'll have – every now and again I'll write a song, and I'm like, well, you know, that, that song is really good, but, you know, it, it's not – maybe the right song for me so I'm just like sort of trying to find a home for it and I assume it's kind of the same thing it's to, like you come to up write with, it for somebody else yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know maybe like hang on to it for someone else or hang on to it for a different project or, or you know it, it's funny I mean, when you're working through and, and creating a voice uh, do you ever find that let's say you start a, a character and you're saying alright this is what I think this person is and then as you learn more about the character the voice changes is that happening yeah that definitely happens that um, I think you know any Simpsons fan will prove that that happened with Homer and yeah. some of those it does happen because as you as you go along in the series if you're doing a series uh, the writing the writers may start to write more for you or for your character and you, you start to learn a little bit more about your character so for instance uh, coming back to me on the original Teen Titans Robin kind of talked like this everything was very measured and he was brooding and didn't speak too fast on the new one Teen Titans Go Comedy has to be louder, faster, funnier. So Robin's talking like this a lot of the time. So that, that was a little bit of an evolution there. That's awesome. And, and you know, obviously, it's got to be kind of cool. I mean, like, you're playing a super iconic character, right? I mean, like, it's got to be kind of cool, right? It's amazing, yeah. I mean, the, the catchphrase on that show is, you know, Robin says, Titans, go! And no matter how many times I've said it, no matter how many times a fan at a convention will ask me to say it, no matter how many times it's in the script, I still get excited every time. I get to be Robin. That's pretty awesome. Man, well, that, that's really cool, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to sit down with us. I appreciate you asking me. I think you're doing a really cool thing with this podcast, and I, I find it interesting that you bring in so many people from so many different walks of life with uh, 
cool things to talk about. Yeah, I know. It's been a really crazy experience, and, and obviously I'm going to link to your uh, IMDb and stuff, uh, but if people want to find out maybe you know any upcoming projects that, that you want to send them to, uh, I'll make sure to link to those in the description. You mentioned that one film that you uh, acted on. Uh, is there anything else coming up that you want to that you want to plug? Yeah, I've got a couple uh, guest stars, uh, on-camera guest stars on some things coming up, and uh, s- uh, a couple things, uh, some animated uh, projects that are coming out soon. I can I never know when I'm allowed to talk about them. So yeah, if, yeah. if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Scott Menville, my name. Uh, so I usually post stuff to give people a heads up. Awesome. Well, I'll link to everything in the description. And uh, man, thanks again. Thank you so much, Chase. I've got to say, I really have an absolute blast putting these shows together. I get to talk to some really incredible people, and Scott was no exception. So, again, huge thanks to him for coming on the show. Remember to visit us at createcastpod.com or on iTunes, where you can leave us a rating or review. We really appreciate it. And remember, make good. And I'll let Scott say it, too. Here you go. Hey, this is Scott Menville reminding you, and reminding myself, to make good. <laughs>